those who've placed their trust in Christ, that we have eternal life in Jesus. If you believe it this morning, say amen. The Bible says there's coming a time when Jesus will wipe all the tears from the eyes of his people. So death will certainly be just a memory. Tears will be no more. That's the hope we have in Christ. I love singing about uh, the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you so much, worship team. Again, great job as always. We appreciate you. Love you. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to John chapter number 4 is what we're going to be looking at. I love children. Anybody else? <laughs> uh, I'm so thankful for children. Psalm 127 in verse number 3 says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And uh, we all know that to, to be true individually speaking. My three greatest blessings call me daddy. And so I know what a blessing children are. And I'm so very thankful for mine. Not only are they a blessing individually in our homes, but also collectively in our church family. I'm so thankful for all these young'uns running around here. Uh, I tell people all the time, if you don't know what a blessing it is to have children in your church, then you ought to try it without them sometime. I mean, children bring life to the situation. And I'm so very thankful for all of the kids that we have uh, here at Mount Zion, each and every one of them. They are truly a blessing from the Lord. I had a, a uh, mother come to me a few weeks ago, and she said, Brother Israel, I want to apologize for how my uh, how my uh, child was acting during service. She just couldn't keep her mouth shut. She wanted to talk. Well, let me tell you something. There's no apology necessary. Did you hear me? I know what it's like to be a parent with a young child. There's no apology necessary. I love to hear children acting like children. I don't have a problem with children acting like children. I do have a problem when adults act like children, but... That happens sometimes, but we'll deal with those problems as they arise. Listen, we're thankful for your kids. We want your kids. You, there is no apology necessary for kids just being kids. And how in the world are we ever going to teach our children how to reverence and respect the things of God if you don't bring them to church? So, hey, bring them babies. We want you to bring them. You're not hindering anyone. They are not a hindrance. They're a help. They're not a burden. They're a blessing. And so I want you to know I'm, I love children, love your children. I'm thankful for the children that God has blessed us with. Years ago, I was pastoring down in Lamar County. And right before service on a Sunday morning, my kindergarten through second grade Sunday school teacher called me and said, Brother Israel, we've had an emergency in the family. I'm not going to be able to make it to Sunday school this morning. Well, it was about 15 minutes before Sunday school was going to start. And she said, do you think you could find someone? And it was really too late to put that responsibility on someone else. And so I, I decided I would just take the kindergarten through, through second grade class. Now, before I go any further, let me first of all say thank you to all our teachers. I'm telling you, you are a blessing straight from heaven. I'm so thankful for the ministry that you do. And listen, it is a ministry. When you go and you teach those babies, it is a ministry maybe more important than any ministry you could name. I mean, it's a worthy work. And I'm so thankful that God has led people to that and gifted people for teaching children. We've got some great uh, teachers here, man, that, that love kids and enjoy teaching them the truth of the Word of God. And I want you to know that I appreciate you and we love you. And we're so thankful for what you're doing. You are making a difference in the lives of kids. I'm telling you something. We have been given a great blessing, yes, with all of our children. But with that great blessing comes great responsibility. 
And our responsibility as a church family is to continually love these children like Jesus loves us and teach them the truth of who God is, who they are, and how much we all need the Lord. <laughs> and so thank you for doing that, man. You're, you're, you're doing a, a work that uh, is truly a worthy work. It's a great ministry. And I know what you feel sometimes, that they're not getting the word you're saying. It's going in one ear and right out the other. Uh, all teachers feel like that. Matter of fact, I, t I feel like that from time to time. Believe me, they're getting a whole lot more than you could ever imagine. Stay faithful. Keep preaching truth. Keep loving them like Jesus loves them. Because I can promise you, you are really making a difference. But anyway, I was in that kindergarten through second grade class um, that morning, and, and we were the, the lesson that we were doing that day was on Noah's Ark, and that was exciting for me. That's one of my favorite stories, and, and it certainly was for the kids too. And so I went through the whole biblical narrative about what God did in the life of Noah in calling him to build the ark and 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 uh, gather the animals and get them together there and, and um and him and his family on the ark and he saved them through the storm we went through all of it man just had a great time that morning discussing all that God did and why he did it and how much he loves us and how that if we like Noah will place our faith in who God is and what God says that we can be saved from the coming storm can you say amen because that's really the message of Noah and the ark and so we, we went all through that and just had a good time with those young'uns that morning. And at the end of that lesson, they had some questions in the book that you could ask to see where the children were if they really. And that's always my favorite part. I mean, uh, you, you get some answers sometimes uh, when talking with kids like that that uh, just make your day. But anyway, I started answering, asking the question. And, and the first question was, well, who, who was it that built the ark? And so there's a little boy in there at that time by the name of Aiden. And Aiden was a kindergartner. And he was, he was, before he even got the question out of my mouth, he already had his hand stretched way up high. I mean, he was just reaching as hard, far as he could reach, wanting to answer the question. So I finished the question. I said, all right, Aiden, who was it? Who, did, who was it that built the ark? And he said, Jesus. And I said, well, you know, Aiden, hey, listen, without the knowledge that Jesus gave Noah and without the plan, that Jesus gave Noah, Noah certainly couldn't have built the ark. So yeah, Jesus definitely had a plan, had a hand in building the ark. And so we went on, talked about some more things, asked some more questions, and it got to the point where I asked, "Well, who was it that was in the ark with Noah?" Oh, Aiden raised his hand again, reaching just as high as he could reach. I said, "All right, Aiden, who was it?" He said, "Jesus." In Noah's mind, the answer to every question was Jesus. Now, even though he may not have been completely academically correct, I can promise you this, his theology was pretty good. He was theologically correct in what he was saying. Jesus is the answer. Can you say amen? I found that to be true in my life. In the greatest questions that life offers me, I've come to see that Jesus is the answer. In the problems that I face, Throughout my life, and how many know we all face problems, we all deal with stuff. I've come to find out that Jesus is the answer. For the last three or four weeks, we've been talking about um, the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ as he walked upon this earth in his earthly ministry. The things he was doing only God could do, which proves to us he is truly the God-man. He's the Son of God, and he is God the Son. But we said, if you remember, these miracles that Jesus did, 
it, there, there were more than just the next sideshow that was coming around so that people might see some cool stuff that Jesus could do. Listen, these miracles had a message. These signs had significance. These miracles were teaching us something about the Lord and something about ourselves that we've got to get a hold of. Dr. Adrian Rogers put it like this when talking about the miracles that Jesus did. I like how he says this. He says miracles, they, th these miracles show God's glory but preach a message of God's grace. Man, that's so true. That's certainly what uh, it has shown me, and I hope and pray that you're seeing that as well. If you remember, we saw in John chapter number 11 that Jesus is the answer for man's death. <laughs> Listen, he stood at the tomb of uh, Lazarus, and he raised him up through his spoken word, and he told Martha something that we all need to remember, that he is the resurrection and he is the life. How many of you understand today that when I was dead in trespasses and sins, it was by the power of God that he made me new in Jesus. He gave me eternal life in Christ. So he's the answer to man's death. And if you're here this morning and you've not yet trusted in Christ, the Bible says that uh, we're all dead in trespasses and sins until we come to the place where we trust in Jesus. Our sins then can be forgiven uh, and we can be made new in him. We can have eternal life through trusting in the Lord. What a blessing that is. He's the answer to man's death. But we also found out in John chapter 2, he's the answer to man's disappointment. How many of you know when he turned the water into wine, that showed me something that I hope it showed you. Listen, the wine of the world runs out. But Jesus offers joy. And he gives you joy fully, freely, and forever. Listen, Jesus is enough. He can give you what, you what you are longing for. He is the answer for the disappointment that we have all faced in our life. Anybody ever face some disappointing times? Maybe your mama disappointed you, your daddy disappointed you. Maybe something that you had no control of whatsoever brought disappointment in your life. Maybe, listen... You have, you have disappointment because of your own choices, your own actions. Listen, Jesus is the answer for the disappointment that we all face. Whether it be self-inflicted or whether it comes from other sources, I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer for the disappointment we all deal with from time to time. Jesus is not only the answer for man's death and man's disappointment, but we found out last week in John chapter 6 that Jesus is the answer for man's desire. I believe what Billy Graham always said, that inside the heart, inside the soul of every man, woman, boy, and girl is a Jesus-shaped hole. And the only thing that can truly complete you, the only thing that can truly complete me, is to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To trust in Him as Savior and be born again. And until you get Jesus, listen, you're never going to be complete. And the problem that I've experienced with my own self before coming to the Lord and what I see so many times in people all around me day by day is that people continually try to feel that emptiness on the inside with everything the world has to offer. They try to fill it with appeal, with a party, with a person, with power, with prestige. They try to fill it with everything the world gives. And folks, nothing the world has to offer takes the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus-shaped hole can only be filled by Him. And when it's filled by Him, you can experience the peace that God promises, the peace that passeth all understanding. You can experience the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. You can have that relationship with Christ that makes a difference not just on Sunday, but on Monday. That, that relationship, listen, that changes how you live at the church house, but more importantly, changes how you live at your house. Changes your mind, how you think, how you talk, the decision choices that you make. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer for man's desire. If you're here this morning and you've not yet met him, let me invite you to trust in him. And I can promise you, just like the psalmist said, if you'll taste and see, the Lord truly is good. Now, this morning, I want us to look in John chapter 4. And we're going to see today that Jesus is the answer to man's doubt. Here you have a noble man who comes to the Lord um, wishing for his son to be healed. Let's go down to John chapter 4 and verse number 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water white. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And he heard that Jesus was come out to Judea uh, into Galilee. He went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Verse 48. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down or my child's going to die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son's alive. Then inquired he of them the hour when we began to get better. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son lives, and himself believed. And, this, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. Lord, I'm thankful that today we know the answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer for whatever we're facing today, Lord, is, is you. And Father, I'm praying that you make that real to each and every person in the sound of my voice this morning. Whether they be in this sanctuary or they're listening online or however they're getting this message. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would make this truth real to hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls. And Father, I'm praying that you do the work that only you are capable of. Lord, I am nothing. I can do nothing. But I realize through you all things are possible. I realize realize you can do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think according to your power in us. So Lord, I'm praying that you would take complete control of these services. Use me as your mouthpiece. Move me out of the way. Speak to me. Speak through me. Fill me up and pour me out in the lives of these people. God, we need you today. Show us that you are the answer for the doubt we have. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first thing that I want you to see here in John chapter 4 is the problem this man faces. It's a very big one. The Bible says that his son was at the point of death, so he came to Jesus and asked for healing. This man had a problem that he could not fix, a problem that was much too big um, for him to take care of. And so he came to the Lord. Now, we got to see that because you need to remember, this man was a nobleman. And listen to me now. Being a nobleman would 
would mean that he probably made um, plenty of money. He had a nice house. He had the, uh, plenty of uh, nice clothes. He had all of the world's worldly possessions that he could possibly get. He, he had everything going just like he liked it. I mean, he was the one who had power and prestige. This man, as far as the world's standards, really had it going on. And so when he got this problem that he couldn't fix, it drove him to seek the Lord. Now, folks, let me tell you something. The Bible teaches very plainly that because of the sin of, of Adam that happened in the garden, the sin of man, we now live in a fallen creation. And you don't have to look far or, or in, in, or around the world that we live in to see that. Just re read your newspaper. Turn on the evening news. Walk outside tomorrow and, and, and go to work. And, and you're going to see that we live in a fallen creation in a world marred by sin. Now, God said something to Adam all the way back in the garden that I think we need to take note of this morning. In Genesis chapter number 3, I'm just going to flip over there. You can keep your place in the book of John. But in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam had sinned, listen to what God tells him. I like this. Genesis 3 and verse number 17. And he said unto Adam, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. He said, Cursed is the ground. Watch what he says. For thy sake. For thy sake, Adam, I'm cursing the ground, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So he's really not telling Adam, I'm punishing you and cursing the ground, but for your sake, for your good, I'm cursing the ground. It's because of the sin of Adam that we have the problems that we have today. Big problems, little problems, medium-sized problems, all problems come to us and to everybody else because of sin, because we live in a fallen creation. But now this is the good news. In the midst of these problems, God allows them so that, listen, we might then seek somebody who's bigger than us. God allows problems into my life. God allows problems into your life so that we might then seek him. And that's what's happening with this nobleman. I mean, he had everything the world had to offer. He had plenty of money and a nice house and, and, and fancy clothes. And, and he was doing really well as far as the world's standards was concerned. But now listen to me, folks. If your son's about to die, it don't matter what kind of house you live in. If your son's about to die, it don't matter how much money you got in the bank. If your son's about to die, it don't matter how much prestige you have, how much power you have, whether you're a nobleman or not. See, God allowed this problem in his life, and that problem brought sorrow that caused him to seek the Savior. And, and, and the same is true for us. The same is true for you and I. Listen, when we have problems that we can't fix, it teaches us to seek the sovereign, to search for the Savior, to look to Him. And, and, if, and if we did not experience problems, I don't think we would be able to find God like we find God. Problems have a purpose. Matter of fact, that's what He told Adam. Adam, because of your wrong, because of sin... For thy sake, I've cursed the ground. It would be a terrible world if it were marred by sin, 
yet there were no problems that caused us to seek the Lord. Because the truth is, none of us would seek the Lord. If everything was hunky-dory and hallelujah and we didn't see our need for a Savior, why go searching for one? If we didn't see how wrong we are, why would we go to one who can make us right? Amen. Problems do have a purpose. They had a purpose in this man's life. They have a purpose in our lives. When certain things go on in my life and I don't understand why they're happening like they're happening, that's the first thing I pray. Lord, have I missed you somewhere? Are you trying to get my attention in some area of my life? Many times he is. Sometimes I believe he allows problems so that uh, it might bring chastisement to you and me. Amen? And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Go with me over to the book of Hebrews. I want you to see this for yourself. Keep your place there in John chapter 4. But look in Hebrews. Chapter number 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 5. He says, Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, watch this now, he chastens. What does it mean that God chastens us? Well, the same way we uh, chasten or correct our children because we love them, God chastens and corrects us because he loves us. And those problems that he allows many times are for the purpose of chastisement. To get us back where we need to be. So I would encourage you, when problems arise in your life, seek the Lord. God, what are you trying to show me in this? Have I missed you somewhere that I need to see you? Have I went the wrong way? Lord, show me the right way. Seek the Lord. Let's go on. Verse number six. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? I love that. The Bible says, if you endure chastisement from the Lord, that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. That lets you know God's working in your life and he loves you as a son or daughter. It's amazing. Go back to John chapter 4. This man had a problem that he couldn't fix. This problem caused sorrow in his heart because his son was about to die. And that sorrow led him to seek the Savior. So he comes to Jesus, the Bible says, in Cana of Galilee. Now there's a progression this man goes through that brings him to faith in Christ. There's three things that I want you to see. He first came looking for a miracle worker. When he came looking for a miracle worker, he found a word keeper. And ultimately, he rejoiced in a life giver. Amen? Now, look what it happens. Watch this now. Verse number 47. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, look how Jesus says this. Look how he answers the man when he comes and asks for healing for his little boy. He says in verse 48, Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. 
Now what's Jesus saying here? Well, I think he knew this man's heart just like he knows my heart, just like he knows your heart, just like he knows all of our heart. And he knew exactly what that man was thinking when he comes seeking him. He said, if you don't see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe I'm who I say I am. You are seeking a miracle worker. That's what you're wanting. Well, you say, well, of course, Brother Israel, that's what he's wanting. His son's about to die. But now remember, the miracle has a message. And ultimately the message is that this is God incarnate in the flesh doing the things that only God can do. See, what Jesus wanted was for the man to come to the place where he trusted him as Lord and Savior, not just a miracle worker. Is there anything wrong with asking for a sign, for wanting a sign? Well, yes and no. Let, let, me, let me tell you what seeking a sign or being someone just hunting the miracle, just hunting the, the, this, uh, I guess what I like to call the sideshow mentality, where you just want to see God do uh, some kind of miracle so that you would believe. Well, in seeking for that, let me tell you what you do. You really dishonor God in, some, in one sense because you're really not trusting that his word is enough. I mean, we, we read in the Word of God and it says, well, uh, the Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews chapter number uh, 13, verse number 5, that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. If you believe that promise, amen. Philippians 4, 19, the God, my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. If you believe that, say amen. Um, we, we read uh, verses in, in the Word of God that teaches about God being our Jehovah Rapha, our healer, our Jehovah Jireh, our, our provider, our Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. We, we read all of these promises in the Word of God, but then we, if, if we continually think and say, well, Lord, give me a sign, really what you're saying is your Word is not enough. It's more than just seeking a sign. It's trusting by faith and who God is, what God has said, and then living it out. Are you getting it? Let me put it to you like this. Let's just say that I, I looked at my son and I said, Gage, I tell you what, for your birthday, buddy, I'm going to put $500 in your checking account. That's going to be your birthday present. Now, he don't see the $500. He didn't see me go to the bank, but I told him I'm, I'm putting $500 in your checking account. He says, well, Dad, that sounds really good. I mean, I believe what you're saying, but how about give me a little sign? Yeah, <laughs> Dad, I believe what you're telling me, but do you have the deposit slip? Do you, do you have any record that you put the money in the bank? And I say, well, son, is my word not enough for you? I mean, as your father, you know I love you. You know I'm going to provide for you. You know I give to you out of a, a, a gracious heart. Not because you deserve it, because I love you. Amen. <laughs> And he says, well, Dad, I believe all that, but if you could just help me out with a little sign, that's really what I'm looking for. That's really what I need. Do you see how that would make you feel as a mother or as a father? And I feel that's exactly what God feels like whenever we just want the sign. We, folks, we've got to learn to trust the Word. If God says it, he will do it. We don't trust 
feelings. We don't trust the things that we sometimes lean on. We trust the facts, the truth of what God has promised. Not only does always seeking a sign or looking for the miracle, not only does that dishonor God in some way, but let me tell you something else it does. It can be dangerous for man. Because you know that Satan has the power to do signs and wonders. You know the Bible teaches that. Go with me over to the book of 2 Thessalonians. Let's look at something real quick before we go any further. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And let's look down at uh, verse number 9. Here, the Apostle Paul is teaching about the coming Antichrist. Look at what he says about the power Satan has. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So what Paul is saying is these people who have rejected the truth, they've rejected the word of God, they're going to be taken in when they see all of these signs and wonders done by the power of Satan himself. So do you see how important it is that we trust the truth? That we're not just the miracle monger looking for the sign? You've got to believe what God has said. Apply that to your life. That's what makes the difference. Amen? Let's go on. Look, look at the, the rest of this. He says then in verse number 11, And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion, and they shall believe a lie that all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Seeking a sign not only dishonors God in some sense, but it certainly, listen to me, it's dangerous for man if that's all you're looking for. And so when this brother comes up and asks Jesus to perform a miracle, Jesus looked deep down into his heart and said, you're really searching for the miracle, but what he's wanting to do is find the master. Nothing wrong with wanting to see God do big things, but realize it's not about the things, it's about the big God. Amen? This man really had it backwards to some degree and I fear that we do too from time to time but now when he came looking for a miracle worker he found a word keeper watch what happens he says then in verse number 49 the nobleman saith unto him sir come down ere my child die Jesus said unto him go thy way thy son lives and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and he went his way now when he got there what did he find that his son was living he goes on to say that he inquired of the servants. When did he start to get better? He said, well, it was yesterday about the seventh hour. And he remembered that's when Jesus was talking to him. When he gave him the word that your son's alive, it was a word that he kept. This morning when we got here, I was thankful. Brother Scotty sang for us as an opening hymn, Standing on the Promises. Listen to me, children of God. You can and you should Stand upon the promises of your blessed Bible. You can trust it. Believe it. Build your life on it. It's so very important that we do that. God 
keeps his word. Believe. Put faith in who God is and what he said. Don't just be the miracle monger looking for signs, but trust God because he's already promised it. Amen? Ultimately, he rejoiced that Jesus could perform the miracle. He does keep his word. And he is certainly a life-giving Savior. He gave life to this man's son at his word. Can you say amen? The scripture says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Some of you may have come this morning looking for a word. Let me tell you, the word you need to receive, Jesus, is the answer. If you're seeking something and you don't even know what you're seeking, but you know deep down on the inside something just ain't right, something is just not what it needs to be. I'm not complete, I'm not whole, I'm not content. And you're wondering what's missing, let me tell you, the answer is Jesus. Just like little Aiden that kept raising his hand. <laughs> The answer to the questions you have is found in Christ. If you need him today, this invitation is for you. If you're here today and you've already trusted in Jesus, you know that you've trusted him for the forgiveness of your sin. You know that you've been born again into the family of God. If you know that today, let me tell you something. The same God who saved you is the same God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Even in the midst of the problems of life that we're all going to face, even as believers, keep seeking the Lord. Keep looking to Him. It's through those problems that sometimes causes heartfelt sorrow that leads us right back to the Savior. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's really a good thing. Keep seeking Him. The Bible says seek and you'll find. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. So today somebody may need to seek Him as Savior. You can find. Today as a Christian you may be going through some stuff that you really just don't understand how it's all going to work out and you don't know why God is allowing this, well, seek Him. The same one who saves you keeps you. Look to the Lord, brothers and sisters. He loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love.